Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance access deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. I'm like, is there some big announcement? You I want don't me know to, about you what's want me to happening. Is it well, music to the Bear Grease podcast? Yeah. I, I think it would be appropriate to describe our external environment today. Okay, go, start Before us we off. start. Well, when I walked, when I took the long trek from our house <laughs> to the world to headquarters, headquarters, or also known as Meat Eater South, um, mm-hmm. I, it was slick. There was active sleet ice falling. And for Arkansas, you know, it takes about, well, none of that for us to cancel. Today we canceled school bright and early because, yeah, because it was misty outside. And I thought it was a good call. It's misty in here. It's misty in here. (laughs) Oh. Mm. I think you mean dim and foggy. Yes, Yes. we'll get to that. It was, it's just really, really crazy. We got really bad, bad icy weather. I just came back from Mexico last week, and when I got home from Mexico, on the way home, there was like six inches of snow. Very Clay was bad down in weather. Cabo, sunning at the beach. We were at 6,000 feet elevation in Mexico, freezing cold. I bet it was. Luckily, Clay read like a part of the memo. And brought a jacket, like you know, it was almost one of those deals where it's like, ah, I don't need that much clothing, but uh, I did. Very cold, so I came home to bad weather. And kind then of a life mission statement for Clay. Six, seven, eight days later, it's like very icy right now. We so, got snow last week. I've been on a lot of I've been a lot of places with the Newcombs where 
some member of their family didn't have a coat yeah. or a jacket. <laughs> it's or a problem. In the dead of winter. It, yeah, it's True a problem. Story. Or a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> we won't so say that, that who that's a problem why, Partly why we have such an eclectic group of people. You've heard a few voices that you wouldn't have recognized, and you've not heard some voices that are typically here. Gary the Believer Newcomb. It, it's a it's about a three hour drive, two and a half hour drive yeah, for him Arkansas to get here. So down. we the we, state of Arkansas. We shut told down. him mm-hmm. not to come. Brent Reeves. We told him not to come, and so we have some some very new folks. Misty Newcomb's here. Josh Lambridge, spillmakers here. here. Josh, introduce your guest. So a very special guest that I'm honored to introduce and honored to have been married to for almost 25 years. Woo-hoo. Mrs. Christy Spielmaker. Well, hello, Ooh, Christy. Yeah. So great to have you, Christy. Thank you. So this is a this is a me. long time dream of mine to have Christy Spielmaker <laughs> on the Bear Grease Render podcast. We've no, tried no a lot to get her on. Yeah, here. you wouldn't know it, but we've tried a lot. So very, we're so happy you're here, Christy. I'm She's so quite a happy to be here. Yes, yes, and we've known the Spielmakers for decades. Decades. And so we've raised our kids side by side with the Spielmakers. Traveled, and so. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Tecumseh. I'm very, so, I'm ready. For those, it's possible that people are new to our podcast, the Bear Grease Podcast. We are, we are a documentary style history, anthropology, hillbilly, hunting, conservation, <laughs> musical, playing podcast. Um, but every other week, we have a, a group of people that comes together for the Bear Grease Render, which is what you're listening to, where we talk about the last week's episode. So we're going to talk about Tecumseh Part 2. So, great to have you, Christy. My guest, well, I have two guests here. Misty and I have two guests here. Our first guest is Jessica Llewellyn, our Woo! dear friend <laughs> of many decades as well. Yes. Yeah. Right, Jessica? Yeah, yeah. Hey, and so, uh, I, 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 came, I stayed the night at Jessica's house for the first time when I, my 16th birthday? I think so. 17th birthday. 17th, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 17th birthday. I, yeah. Right. That was my first time in to ever Fayetteville meet. Fayetteville when you came Jess up. Lou. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I still wow. remember sitting in the basement living room, chit-chatting. Yes. And I'm being like, ah, oh, I love this gal. Ah, and she's I love awesome. this gal, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, she's, she's been, um, our kids that were born in the hospital, she was there yeah. at the hospital yeah. for yeah. our daughter's births and uh, was here very shortly after at our house when our Jessica, sons were born. tell the world what you do for a living. Oh, I'm, I'm an architect. Yeah. yeah. What kind of stuff do you work on? Uh, commercial. I don't do a lot of houses, but um, yeah, I've gotten the, over my 20 plus year career, I've gotten to do a lot of different stuff, but right now I work for a firm that does a lot of commercial development. So right now I've got some projects with universities around the state. Um, locally, I've gotten to do a really cool movie theater and some offices mm. and restaurants and things like that. And um, yeah, I really enjoy my job. It's it changes a lot day to day. You know, some days I am, you know, boots and hard hat. And some days I'm on a computer. Some days I'm on phone and meetings. Some days I get to color. I mean, like. Like literally color. Yeah. I was about to ask you Markers if you've and- ever, do you ever draw stuff like on a napkin? Like you see in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Rarely. Architects usually have paper and pens these days. Okay. You know, I do have a purse. I have an advantage over those guy architects. A who purse. Don't have a purse so <laughs> paper. I usually have paper. Hey, pack and paper. I'm kind of an architect myself, Jessica, oh, as you know. Yeah. Do you carry do you remember, a purse? Do you remember when we built this office, I said that this was going to be a celebration of architecture? Oh. Do you remember that? It's coming back. It's okay. coming back. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. Like this, wasn't, this wasn't just going to be a building. It was mm-hmm. going to be a celebration of architecture. Yeah. But 
Um, so funny story about Jessica that I heard her telling yesterday was that when she was in college, is it okay if I tell this story? Sure. When she was in college, say. when she was in college at her house, they hosted a band that came and played a concert in her house. And the dude set his symbols on fire <laughs> wow. in her house. Do I know that, that dude? This was that same living room that I first hang out, hung out with Misty. This house was legendary in Fayetteville at the time, by the way. And it was not once that we had band a band play. It was like it, it was like a frequently. concert video. Like, kind of. It's like this was the days before cell phones and smartphones. And in those days, you would chalk the sidewalk. You'd write stuff on the sidewalk if you want people to show up with chalk. And like our, outside your house. Well, on well, campus. On the, on the campus. Campus. And you yes. would tell them what, what yeah. the address. So we could, you didn't even have to say the address. People knew this house. Wow. It was mm. nicknamed the Slacker House. When I mm. lived there, we were not slackers. People that lived there before <laughs> were slackers. <laughs> <laughs> but the house was known as the Slacker House. So we could literally put on the sidewalk, Slacker House, Friday night, 8 p.m. in the band name. And people would show up and watch bands. Wow. Yeah, so fun. Was fun. So how did they light their symbols on fire in your living room? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, like spray them with, spray them with lighter fluid. Kind of this symbol? gel that you put on it, if I remember right, oh. that you kind of smear on it, and then you can light it on fire. Some stern up. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm kind of big into, like, sensational <laughs> ways to get attention. <laughs> I'm thinking about burning, like, like going on a squirrel hunt and, like, Lighting my saddle on fire, yeah. <laughs> or flaming arrows, flaming oh. arrows, flaming yeah. arrows. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Jail, okay, I'll see what I can find out. Yes. So you, you uh, could also just order fajitas at the Mexican. <laughs> <restaurant. Yeah. laughs> Whoosh! Have, have fajitas delivered so, uh, to your meal. Our our final guest, and certainly not least guest, who's oh, been no. here before. Yeah, yeah true story. But our dear neighbor, also friend for decades. Our favorite pastured poultry farmer, Terrell Spencer. Yeah. True. yeah. Good to have you, man. Yeah. It's like being on the practice squad and everybody gets the flu, so you get to play. Yeah. Okay, we need to we need to like say like Terrell Spencer is a direct replacement of Gary. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm. exactly. So you need to be thinking about what Gary it's like would the understudy. Say and try to like fill his spot. Christy, you got to replace right. Brent Reeves. Well, that those are big shoes to fill. Yeah, I'm they're actually not. It's like a size eight and a half or yeah. nine. Yeah, I got small feet, <laughs> big beard, big overalls. Yeah, but no, Terrell. So you're. Uh, I just called you Terrell. I never call you Terrell. It's all right. Spence is your name. We're we're close enough. You can use first name basis. Well, I remember when I my kids found Terrell out Spencer that is. Spence's last name was Spence. Yeah. And they looked at me and they said, his mom named him Spence. 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 <laughs> Spence hey, Spencer? tell me about the, the what you're wearing around your neck. This whole thing? I forgot I had it on. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. Yeah, it's a, it's a grand champion rooster call medal. I won Ooh. a couple weeks ago in Dallas. So. Wow. At, yeah. the, at the American Pastured Poultry Producers Association. APPA. APA. Yep, they're... Uh, they had a big conference, about 350 farmers, and I. I, I you first took the place, gold. I took the gold. Well, I mean, you gotta let's hear your rooster. Man, I would I would blow out every microphone oh. on this. Oh, it's okay. Do it. Yeah, do it. you could okay. you could even move it if you wanted to. No. No. Okay. okay. Don't no, do it. Don't move. Full, it. I mean, okay. full force. Yeah, turn it up just a little bit. Turn it up just a little bit. <laughs> My voice is a little he's, hoarse. So. He's got to stand up to get this yeah, out. You got to. Okay. Oh, he's standing. Up. Oh, oh, he totally oh, oh, oh. Excuse me. Well, okay. We're filming now. I was, I was doing it earlier on top of the holler with my dog scaring vultures. Okay. And he really likes that, so my voice is a little blown out. Okay. All right. <laughs> 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 
I'm assuming they they uh, uh, they liked loudness over yeah. over well, like there is technical a, nuance. There's a fella, Christian Alexander. He hey, got turn a, your mic down just yeah. a little bit there. There's a fella, Christian Alexander. He's a farmer in North California, and he came out and he called and everybody sat down. Right, and uh, what I did, I couldn't compete with that, but there were multiple. You could do multiple calls, so I just did a barrage of mediocre calls okay. and got my score up. So I did like a turkey hen, a gobble. Okay. Like the little, that, that turkeys did. You, you know, I did okay. a poultry predator, an owl, and a crow. And There you go. And, and I got my score up to, to take Very them good. down. Okay. So our strategy. sons play basketball together. Yeah. Spence and I. True story. And when, when, when either of the boys score, I will owl hoot from the stand, and Spence will crow call. Yeah. And it's our goal that one day, when the boys score on their team, the whole stadium owl hoots. Right. I mean, that's my goal yeah. anyway. It it happened. We were in a really rural school district, if you remember. And mm. and we 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 were making our calls, and someone from the other side responded. I'm just yeah. saying, like I I I love it. It's wonderful. One of the things that I we are playing for a new team this year, and it I'm a little concerned that they're embarrassed of us. <laughs> guess what? You get what you pay for. Not, not the kids. You got the, some kids from down here. You, their dads are probably going to croak off. Okay. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, Misty, why don't you read? Okay, so I I uh, get. You know, like updates if if someone in our family hits the papers. Like I have this this setting where it'll send me. Uh, okay, the, <laughs> <laughs> the interwebs. Um, and it's it, a setting on Google. Yeah, it's right? a setting it's on Google. So Google if someone alert. if someone's in the news or something, I'll get an alert so I can see pictures and stuff like that. Well, I've got Clay's name on there, and so I got an update that Clay Newcomb and Misty Newcomb were in the papers. Um, or. Dinner. Oh, habits. Did you cut it out? Um, no. It was on the internet. Put and in your scrapbook. I quickly realized that what I was looking at was an AI product, artificial intelligence. And so, for people who don't know, there are these new, newly created robots, recently <laughs> created robots, who go around and it's clear that they, what they do is they pull articles from all over the internet. And they make like summarizations of those articles, but they don't want to plagiarize. And so to not plagiarize, even though some would say this is still plagiarizing, they just swap out some of the keywords. So basically for it's a full article that yeah. has like, par- like a, a bio like a, probably about a 500 Clay, word article mm-hmm. that was a bio about me and Misty. Mainly and, about Clay. And it, go ahead and read it. And it starts with. That's all we need. And it starts with. Mud Newcomb (laughs) 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 grew up and was launched up inside the Washita Mountains as a seventh interval Arkansan. (laughs) And so already I'm like, where on earth did this article stem from? What translation? He's a tracker. Donkey Skinner, <laughs> naturalist, and provincial social spectator. Provincial. Okay, let's stop right there. In my bio at Meat Eater, it says that I'm a seventh generation Arkansan, born and raised in Arkansas. So it said, brought he was up, launched, launched up, up in Arkansas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then 
in that bio, I said, I am a, I'm a connoisseur of rural culture. So what did they say? They said he's a tracker, a donkey skinner, naturalist, and provincial social spectator. <laughs> provincial <laughs> social spectator. Yeah. Was a connoisseur of rural Is rural there a culture. T in that word? Connoisseur. Sorry, we, hey, we don't, we don't talk about Clay's pronunciation. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Christy, you nailed it. There's a lot of words that I don't say right. He <laughs> is an essayist, movie producer, and this might be one of my favorites, the host of the Bear Oil webcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bear uh, Oil webcast. webcast. Well, and then Donkey Skinner. Yeah, donkey Mule Skinner. Skinner. Mule Skinner. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Are you offended that they thought that donkey would be a synonym for yeah, mule? Yeah. I mean, come on, AI bot. <laughs> Dirt Nukem has been hitched. <laughs> so, so they switched now. So it's Clay Earth. Dirt Nukem has been hitched to his greater half, Cloudy Nukem. <laughs> uh, for virtually 10 years, which that is wrong, uh, 22 years. Earth Nukem's important, completely different, has been joyfully hitched to him. <laughs> Mud and foggy, like investing. Mud and foggy. <laughs> yes. Mud and so foggy. That, that needs to be on a license plate exactly. on the front. Mud and foggy. Airbrushed, mud and foggy. Yeah. Mud and well, foggy. You see what it's doing? So it thinks my name is Nukem. Yeah. And it thinks clay is just a word that can be, you can use synonyms of. And misty as well. Foggy. <laughs> mud and, and foggy, like investing energy with their family inside the Ozark heaps. Of <laughs> <Arkansas>. <laughs> Ozark mountains. Heaps. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to go too much more, but they do at one point call me uh, Foggy Newcomb again, and by the end of this, my name has changed to Dim. Dim has four children. Gotta love a good nickname. Robots are kind of soggy. I wish my name was Mud Newcomb. That should be your new band name. It should be Mud and Foggy. Mud and Foggy. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great band name. Mud and Foggy. Dirt Newcomb would be great, but our friend. Dirt we have a friend, Garrett Smith. Already has that one taken. The Meteor cameraman. Great guy. Wonderful. So he's, he's already dirt, so we're already past that. If you ever race like three wheelers, your name needs to be Dirt Newcomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Three wheelers. I can picture airbrush t shirts too. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. With, with mud, mud and foggy. Mud and foggy. Christy, can you tell us what you do? Uh, yeah. I am in supply chain, global supply chain. So I work with a supply chain company mainly in the retail sector doing import type work mm. and an avid hunter mm-hmm. fisher, fisher woman yeah fisher actually woman. she is so for years um i well i kind of still think you're in trucking right right yeah <laughs> right? i i did that for about Christy 13 months but it's stuck well, no, no. It, well, and you really weren't a trucker for 13 months. <laughs> no, she, but you worked with, I truckers with truckers in a major retailer right. in the country. That's right. Yes. yes. Now, Christy's very important. She's, She's extremely very important. important. Christy, you have such a great story because you went to college when you were older. I was 30. 30 years old. We had three kids. Three kids. Yep. Two foster kids. Two yep. foster kids. We had two foster kids during part then, of that time. When did you graduate college? 2012. How old were you? I was 34. And then 
now you're like running planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. right, She's exactly. She's a big wig. She is a big wig, <laughs> for real. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. she is. She's a big shot. And there was a time when she worked for a local retailer that some have heard of. She doesn't anymore. Can right. I say their yeah, name? Sure. Okay. Yeah. She used to work for Walmart. And every time I would go into Walmart and they wouldn't have something that I wanted, I'd send yeah. her a picture so she could fix it. <laughs> yeah. I would get that. I also, we have a very close friend who would call me and be like, I bought this fan and I love it. And I have 10 of them. And I bought it. I bought them all 10 years ago and I can't find them anymore. Can you figure out what happens? I know for <laughs> sure. Which I friend that cannot is. I figure out what happens. No idea. But don't forget, I don't really Christy do Spielmaker that. is also so a quite the fly fisher woman. I am. So it's That's nice true. to have the presence of another fly fisher in the room. Yeah. I'm here to support yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Where do y'all and y'all like to y'all like to go over in central Arkansas? Mm-hmm. And don't and, tell us your spot. And north yeah. of here, north of here is pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jessica, now your connections to hunting. Well, I should probably confess I've never hunted. Mm-hmm. I fished a little bit when I was a kid, but I hooked my brother one time, and then no more hunt, no more fishing after that. Right, but. I very much enjoy, I grew, grew up in family that hunts yeah, and dad, fishes. Your dad's a big hunter, brother's yeah, a big dad hunter. and brothers, and um, I reap the benefits of having family and friends that are hunters. Like, I was telling some friends at work when, um, this morning that I, in my freezer right now, I have moose meat, I have buffalo meat, I have deer meat, I have chicken, I have all these things that people supply, and I'm very grateful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and now, I love being outdoors. The the coolest story or a cool story that Jessica's dad has, who I've hunted with your dad before. Yeah. Um, is that he knew Elvis Presley. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Uh, I hope I'm getting these right, Dad. I hope I'm getting these right. It's close enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up in central Arkansas. There was a guy who was a singer in the 70s in central Arkansas, and my dad was learning to do tile, like for bathrooms and kitchens. And he was working on that guy's house, and Elvis came to hang out. And Elvis would, like, just go sit, like, on the toilet with the lip closed, uh, and chat with and my dad. Who knew that would be time. his final? <laughs> Elvis lived in Memphis. Yeah, and, and your Memphis dad lived like, a few hours like away. an hour and a half from Central, yeah. well, where your dad was at yeah. in Arkansas. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so then, you know, apparently, uh, this was when my dad was young, probably still in high school, and Elvis and this other guy were probably in their 30s, and they, my dad was always into cool cars. He had a cool car then, and they convinced my dad to tr- take him cruising downtown so they could drink and wave at girls from the back seat. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. yeah. And then later on, my dad was racing boats at a lake in central Arkansas. He did this regularly and it was kind of a big deal back then. And Elvis would be the MC or a special guest or whatever. And he, before it started, he, he'd find my dad and say hi. And then he'd be like, I got to get out of here. There's too many people and go back to the, wow, you know, where the cool kids go. Elvis Presley. Out. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm big into Elvis now, Josh. Oh, really? I've yeah. heard about this. When did this When did this happen? Uh, about two or three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Is there going to be a podcast Is that about be Elvis? The next series? Yeah. yeah. No. There's, there's Elvis actually a, a great, There's actually a great quote by Ted Nugent about Elvis Presley. Ooh. And he said he said if Elvis had just been bloody up to the elbows about once a year, he'd still be alive. Oh. Yep. Remember that? Mm. Yep. Because because he wouldn't have needed all the drugs. Yeah. Right. Killed him. Hmm. He'd, he'd have got a natural high, Jessica. I, I believe it. Elvis. Yeah. You should hear Clay's Elvis call. Oh, man. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? 
Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The people at Sport Dog know that having a well-trained hunting dog is more than just having a reliable partner. It's a commitment to their safety and unlocking their full potential. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Trust Sport Dog, where innovation meets passion, to elevate your hunting experience and strengthen the bond with your local companion. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me to track my squirrel dogs and my one old coon dog that's not very good. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. Christy. Oh, I, ju- I just want to give a shout out <laughs> because yeah, 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 yeah. I, was on a, I was on a business trip last week last week or the week yep. before oh, yep. and um i was in the dallas fort worth airport and i saw a bear grease hat mm. nice in From the wild we call that way. a bear grease hat in the wild it was sighting a, yep sighting in the wild and i i just thought well 
I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to this gentleman and just see if he'll talk to me. And I was like, sweet hat. And he's like, he's like, thanks. So where'd you get it? And he was like, Mediator website, like kind of <laughs> like I'm an idiot. Like where said, else oh. am I gonna get one? I was like, oh okay, cool. Do you listen to the podcast? And he just looked at me. He goes religiously. And I said, oh, you listen to the render? Yeah. And I said, well, sir, my husband is. is Josh Landbridge Spielmaker. <laughs> and I just was like, it was yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. And he was like, what? And then he wanted to be my best friend. And so that was Dr. Blake. Mm. On his way, he's going to be a doctor at the Children's Hospital here, oh, wow. and right. he's about to move. And so, I just wanted to give a shout out to Dr. Blake and rep in the go, Bear Grease. Blake, we salute you, Dr. Blake. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I had Excellent. M- multiple farmers at the APA conference come up to me, and they'd listen to the soil. Oh, podcast. really? Yeah, yeah, the soil episode. I don't remember any of their names, but <laughs> yeah. But you know who you are. Yeah. I think that we should start a new section where we just call out people's names. It like that's how every uh, Arkansas event, like all the that's how all the Arkansas like social events. You go to an education conference and they stand up and they just kind of point out all the people in the room they know, (laughs) right? (laughs) Building that loyalty. Yeah, it's just like stop it. Anyway, I I think we should do that on the Bear Grylls podcast. I got an email this week about a guy, and oh, forgive me, brother, for not having your name in front of me, but this guy was at a fur trading. He was at a fur sale in Idaho. This is and a it, thing. And he was, fur sales. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were selling and buying furs and he, he was wearing a bear grease hat in the seller. He was wanting to buy some furs. If I remember right. And the seller saw his bear grease hat and was like, bro, Love the podcast and gave him a discount on the first. Oh, wow. oh wow. there you go. I thought you nice. were going to tell me he was going to use it as currency. Yeah, I like I would sell oh, this to you. Awesome. If you also yes. give me the hat. that would be good. That would be good. Hey, where are we at on our on, on our coonskin hats, Josh? Uh, I've been working diligently. On the- <laughs> I've got I've got four left to make. They're about one third made. Okay, so I I just need to finish them up. Okay. Uh, we need, we yeah. At at some point, we're gonna we're gonna sell yes these coonskin yes. genuine Ozark dog treed hats by next by, Josh. by next render. I will have a completion date for you. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, wow. okay. and they might even be done. You never know. Yeah, we just gotta figure out what we're gonna do with them. Hey, uh, kind of as an announcement too, just to remind everybody, March fourth yes. in Northwest Arkansas, Bentonville is the Black Bear Bonanza. It's going to be big, man. There will be a coonskin hat. There'll be one that, of Josh's coonskin hats. Anyone with a good owl hoot could win. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be the it's going to be the prize for the owl hoot contest. I'll be one of the judges and uh there's going to be a live Bear Grease Render podcast recorded there. Potentially going to be some live music. Oh, um, by Mud and Foggy. By Mud and Foggy. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Mud and Foggy and guests. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But it's, it really is going to be a great day, man. Those guys have done a great job of putting together a really fun event. It's all day. I'll be there all day. Uh, Misty Fogg will be there all day. Foggy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Misty and, Fogg. Hey, funny every time. going to be there too? Who? James Lawrence. Uh, that yes. I'm looking forward he, to seeing he, James he, Lawrence. He messaged me the other day. And when I get a text message from James Lawrence, I feel like like he shouldn't be text messaging. Like, um, <laughs> Does he have a flip phone? He, he literally, well, he's got a real phone now. He's got a good one now. But when he comes into town, he can message. And he messaged me and said, hey, I heard you're having a 
at some kind of event. And I said, yeah. And he said, me and he's coming. All Dex right. Is coming. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So um, Tecumseh, man, this, so as everybody knows, I said it on the last render, I've never taken such a long period of time to, to build a series. It took me over a year, maybe even a year and a half, to just put all the pieces together and get the right. It, was, it mainly had to do with my guests, um, just like lining them all up, and then, then I've got them. And, and rarely do I have this many like great guests on yeah. a single podcast. A lot of really quality guests. Chief Ben Barnes of the Shawnee. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. big. Robert Morgan, New York Times bestselling author, Robert, <laughs> Robert Morgan, Morgan, who yeah. I joke about. And if I am ever on the New York Times bestsellers list, I, I would like for all of you, my dear friends, to, when you introduce me, introduce me <laughs> as New York Times bestselling author and my friend, Clay Newcomb. You mean Newcomb. I've got to write a book first, though. Right, um, okay. And then uh, Peter Cozens, who is a, 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 a fantastic author and historian. And uh, who am I missing? Um, Dallas. Yeah, Dr. Dave Edmonds, who has spent his whole career. Dave Edmonds is in his 80s and is just a really fun, a lot of energy, just so much knowledge. You almost are like, oh, slow down, slow down. Like when I put the headset on, he yeah. just just took off. And he, and he would he would be like four steps ahead of me and I'd have to be I'd have to stop him and then be like, hey, l- l- let me ask you this little little bitty question. He was great. Yeah. He was such so great. So. Rarely do you have that much time to invest into one episode, but it's such a it's such a complex topic. I am quite certain that on when this is done, there will be there will be people on all both sides of this topic that would think that I did it dis, a disservice. Oh, really? I, I think so because it. Man, I said it at the end of maybe the first episode or the second episode. I was kind of just, it, I kind of at the very end kind of made a plea for mm-hmm. empathy to the listeners to just be like, hey, there's no way that I could get this totally right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I am telling this, th- this story through the veil of my understanding, which is dim. And not to be confused, not, with, not to be confused with Misty. Foggy, <laughs> foggy view of this. Because it, it is very sensitive stuff. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about we're talking about American history. We're talking about a people that were where a lot of injustice was done to them. But you're also talking about a people who uh, the Europeans who, in many ways, are overlooked for the stresses that they were dealing with as they were trying to move into this land that they would have viewed as almost unoccupied. And so it's not a justification for that, but that's just the truth. Yeah. I mean, you know, poverty and all these factors were pushing these people. And, and it's so th- there's like all these different sides of it. It's and you're hyper also, complex. I think the other aspect of this that's challenging is that you don't have history necessarily. The, the history books were written not by the Shawnee. Right. Yeah, right. And 100%. so one of the big challenges that you have is, is you're talking a lot about a different worldview and a different paradigm yeah. that they approached the and and we don't have we don't have that worldview clearly documented like we do the westerners even people who are trying to pre- present it from 
the the Shawnee perspective, still that's not their you know that's not their native language. That's not their native worldview. And so right. so it's it's just it's tricky. Well, there's a bias mm-hmm. in every every mm-hmm. angle, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it really would be this way in in any part of history. There's always a bias in the way the story is told from from any angle, mm-hmm. and uh, and especially when you're going back into a time period when there was very little documentation yeah. of anything. Yeah, I mean, even about Tecumseh's life. You know, I got this book that's you know two inches thick about Tecumseh that's got like every possible thing that was ever known about him, and much of it is even the stuff I reported on about Tecumseh's birth and all these things. Man, we're going off of like a thread. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like, for instance, Tecumseh's birth and like him being born under a comet that struck, like, went across the sky in Ohio. Two people told that story. Now, those two people were close to Tecumseh. It's really, for that deep of history, it's like pretty solid evidence. His, gr- his grandson, Thomas Wildcat Alford, told that story to somebody said my grandfather was born under a comet and his name means this but closer to Tecumseh was his brother essentially his functional brother who was a white kid that was kidnapped and brought into the Shawnees raised as his brother that knew English this is stuff we didn't really even get to get into Um, Stephen Riddell who lived with the Shawnees for 17 years and then like went back into the white world he is a big source of information about Tecumseh because Tecumseh died when he was 45 in 1813. And so, presume, I don't know how long Stephen Riddell lived, but presumably longer than Tecumseh. And so when he died, people started asking about him. And Riddell was like, I, I was his brother, and I could speak English. And, and Riddell told that story. But it's not like there was a video Right. Of it in or Facebook posts or anything. exactly yeah. yeah yeah even at that you know one man's you're going off of one man's memory right true you yeah. know I mean I can't tell you how many times I've told the story and Chrissy's like that's not how it happened yeah you know yeah and, <laughs> so, and Josh is a compulsive liar <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just kidding before we move further I think I just want to log that I wish we would have named a kid Wildcat absolutely. man yeah, absolutely. I wish we named a kid Mud Dirt, Wildcat. A lot of great. Our youngest daughter out names out there. Had she been a boy, she was going to be Wolfgang. I Wolfgang. remember, and oh, I was grateful. Been good. I yep. was grateful Because you guys a had a bear, and we were going to have a wolf. <laughs> that would have been so good. Bear and a wolf. We definitely I'm still would out have. For you guys for another kid. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> if we do, I'm going to bury an antler with the umbilical cord. Bam. That's all yes. I have. Yes. Um, so we'll start off the discussion. So we're talking about part two, but if you want to reference part one, that's okay as well. So part two was basically Tecumseh's life from about 1795 to 1812, okay? It was kind of after he was established. The first podcast established his birth, the context of his birth, and kind of there were no official wars going on to speak of until the War of 1812. That's like the first like big American war that like we're like, yes, they were fighting. But his whole life was filled with warfare. Skirmishes, tribal warfare. You know, that's something that we didn't get into that my dear friend Steve Rinella, um called me today and talked to me about um, was how much, how much intertribal warfare there was. Like the... Yeah. They were a warring people. Like, uh, I don't want it to sound like... Uh, 
they were surprised by. Yeah, they didn't understand like, warfare. In, in this second one, Robert Morgan talked about how the Native Americans viewed warfare differently than the Europeans, mm-hmm. and it was more ritualistic. And you know, you can paint this romantic picture of like these people and the way they live, but they were they were they were they were very brutal at times to mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lot of fighting. Just fighting was part of it. Yeah, I think that's even speaks to how much more difficult it probably was for Tecumseh to bring together all the different tribes, you know? Yeah. Like it could be easy to think, oh, it's just gathering up people that are all very similar or whatever, but there's right. a lot of difference between those different tribes. Exactly. There there was incredible difference. And uh, and a lot of the tribes hated each other just for the sake of hating each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and were taking land from each other, you know? Um, even though like... As as you talked about it, there's like this hegemon that we've all been exposed to of like what we think a Native American is. And it's like in the plains with the big feather bonnet, you know, and that right. you don't think about like in the east, in the woods and yeah. like marching with the British. And, and yeah. you know, like when you see Tecumseh, it's like nothing like what right. I, as a boy growing up in the 80s what I or watching Westerns, what yeah. you think. You know, so it's like that thing has to even get moved before you can even start looking at and thinking about him. That's what I found myself like. I really don't know anything about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like it's so foreign to me. Yeah. And it's such a huge part of our history that's just we're ignorant of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So the way we'll do this, I'm going to go to each one of you and ask you what stood out to you. And so maybe by the time we're done, we'll have like talked about lots of different parts of it. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Christy, can I start out with you? Yeah, you sure, what, you sure can. What, what stood out to you yep. in this podcast? Okay, so I think there were probably two parts that stood out to me. The description of the movement of people, like being in one location and then spreading out all the way across the earth. Mm. And then, so couple that with then in the first episode when it was, I can't remember who it was, but described that like Tecumseh would have approached people and things from what is similar, not what's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then you start, you, you kind of like start putting it all together and you're like this whole movement of people from like one central kind of location out across the earth over many, many years, obviously produce different mindsets and thought processes and worldviews. And it just makes me sit back and wonder like, does the worldview always have to conflict or could there have been, you know, when I think about this, could the Western worldview and the native American worldview have come together to produce something better than what we even have today. Right. Mm. Instead it was conflict and one had to, you know, quote unquote, win out or whatever. Yeah. And I sit back and I think about that because in my world, like it's all about like, I've got to go build relationships and build rapport and go Mm -hmm. find common ground. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what if I just approach people and thought, Hey, there just is common ground. Like, you know what I mean? Even in my daily life, just thinking about how does that apply? So I was impacted by that. I thought that was Mm. pretty wild Mm. and uh, just interesting to think about. But then even, even just what you just described. I mean, Tecumseh had to go and talk to people who also tribes who had different worldviews. I don't know about worldviews, but different views mm-hmm. and they try did. to go mm-hmm. find common ground. Yeah. So I, you know, it's, it's, it was an interesting kind of like, how does it practically play out? 
So was, I was impacted by that. And then... Me, can I say something to that? And then yeah. you'll get to go again. Okay. Because I'm very glad you brought that up. Okay. Because if that, that was such a... The, the idea, like taking it all the way back to the human diaspora right. out of where yeah. we started. I was afraid and, to try to pronounce that. Yeah, well, I'm sure honest. I pronounced it wrong. You got it. I'm you sure I pronounced it. it wrong. I think you, I, Clay, I think you nailed that one. Actually, yeah, you, you nailed it. Yeah. Diaspora. Well, th- that it's such a wild thought to think uh-huh. that we are the same species. We're the same, and two people left in separate. And it's a very simplified version of the human diaspora. Yes. Two people left in different directions. They didn't know they were on a round planet. No. And, and time separated them yep. for so long that when they met on the American frontier, they were vastly, their, their thought of what it meant to be a human was vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and then there was this conflict. And uh, yeah, that, to me, like I could just sit and just think about that and just be like, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wild. And then, you know, I talked about the Tower of Babel in the right. Bible. Where language was the way that God basically stripped people of being able to collaborate together. Yeah, right. And how today that is so, I mean, language is everything. But, yeah. Jessica? I was just going to say that the part where you guys talked about language and the way it was the, um, the language influenced thought and thought influenced language was really striking to me. Y'all know I'm a big movie watcher and I, so many things take me back to movies. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's a movie called Arrival that was about like aliens landing and this woman trying to communicate with aliens. And that, that's mm. one of the big ideas in that movie is like how communication shapes thought and thought shapes communication mm. and back and forth. And I thought that the way that was described was really interesting and captured that idea. And it's true. Like the way we the way we talk is a reflection of what we think, but it also influences the way we think and yeah. back and forth. It's a cyclical thing. And so just being aware, just in a practical life. Was this going to be one of your favorite <clears throat> topics for this? Yeah. This is okay. one of the things okay. I wanted to Hold that. Cause I want to talk about language. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll talk more about I, language. Was one of my I've got a couple of things to say. But we got to well. go back to mm-hmm. Christy though. Okay. Okay. My second, second one, my second one was Logan's lament. Oh man. Yes. Yeah. I just thought that was pretty, I, I mean, I thought it was beautiful, but but like so sad. Yeah. yeah. And just just that thought of like, man, he really treated people one way and was horribly, you know, unjustly treated by that same group of people. And I, I just, yeah. So I was. In, I, I, was I liked how Ben Barnes said. Uh, he said, "Your soul can't help but be." moved after you read that right he said something really striking about how agree yeah yeah interesting jessica ladies first oh absolutely (laughs) okay impacting impacting thoughts yeah and i was thinking a lot about how um how language influences thought and thought influences language and how that's the same for everybody that's a life principle you know it's like you you got to be conscious of how you talk because it does influence how you think. And you also, you can tell a lot about how someone thinks by the way they talk. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. Here or the Mono- decrease from 6,000 languages to 250. Yeah. Was that the statistic? Wow. Yeah. Yes. In what, how, what time by frame? I can't remember. Like okay. in the next 75 years. Unbelievable. He said That's every, wild. every two, every week. There is a language crossed off the list that dies. Hmm. Like in, in in 
we'll talk about this more, I think, in the next episode. But he, you know, I mean, there are around 250 people on planet Earth that speak Shawnee. Right. And what he said to me that really got my gears turning was he said that monolingual speakers have a hard time understanding why speaking multiple languages is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm, And he said that languages allow us to, to, to view the world in a different way. And when you really practically think about what that means, this would be an example as I've thought about it. Imagine that you're walking down a, a country road and there's a creek gurgling off to the right-hand side and you're just kind of, it's peaceful, there's birds, and you're just having like a nice walk, a contemplative walk, and you're thinking about important stuff in your life. And I, I don't know, how would you describe that in English? I'm not really asking for an answer, but I'm saying you would probably have to like make a lot of different thoughts Mm -hmm. and say a lot of different stuff and take a lot of time to like describe like kind of a complex thing that's happening. Cause the Creek, a a Creek doesn't really affect like my family, but maybe I'm thinking about my family. Perhaps there is a word in another language that you could say, I went and X, X, X. And that, and you would be like, oh, you were walking down the road and there was a creek babbling beside you and you were thinking about your life and mm-hmm. contemplating and yada, yada. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like maybe there's like, like there's words that describe stuff that we don't have words for. Yeah. You know, we've always, yep. we've always heard that, that French is the language of love. And, and, uh, which <laughs> Spence is shaking his head. <laughs> like, yeah. Ah, yeah, I don't know. Yes or no. Shaking your we head. We felt yes like or no. Ozark is a language of love. <laughs> um, but point being, there's ways that they say, they capture parts of life that the English language just doesn't have the ability to capture. And so I thought about that because that's what I try to do as a, I mean, like as a storyteller, as a writer, it's like you're trying to describe this really complex life we live and, there are words in other languages that say stuff that we don't know how to say. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a, uh, I, up in Alaska, there's a, a Koyukon. Maybe I, I don't know who it is, but they have like 27 words for snow. Yes, I've heard that. We've got the yeah. one. Right. I think about one of the lessons that we example. go through with our kids um, at, at school in one of the classes I teach. Uh, hearty, he gave her a hearty welcome. What do you picture? Like a loud welcome. Okay, what uh-huh. kind of people? I don't know. Who's giving the hearty welcome? Who do you picture giving that? Like what's a, a friends and family? Okay, what's he wearing? A uh, Santa Claus suit. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Plaid. 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 Okay. Um, and you would be amazed at how many people say plaid. Huh. I mean, oh, or really? flannel. You would be. I mean, like almost ninety percent of the people say that. He gave her a cordial greeting. Oh, oh. he's wearing a suit. Yeah, bow tie. Okay. Yeah. One of those words, one hearty welcome, when you like trace that phrase, when you take specifically hearty, when you trace that back to its origins, that is a, the origins, I think it's a Nordic language that was spoken by peasants. Hmm. Cordial welcome, I believe, stems from French. Like if you, if you go into that. And, and so you end up with <laughs> generations beyond where I, I can't even, I teach this, I have it in my notes. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, we don't know where those, the origin of those words came from, but we still infer the same, the same Yeah, we things. don't consciously know yeah. that it came from that, but we know that 
Like, Josh Spillmaker would give a hearty welcome. It puts mm-hmm. an image in your head because of he's Josh. A, he's a peasant. Yeah, and he wears flannel. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but you get those images in your head centuries after those. those wow. So language know, carries a lot of stuff with it that maybe you don't even. Yeah, recognize. yeah, for sure. And so I think I thought that was a super interesting thing. And and if uh, back to your point about about you know you're trying to give this perspective, there this is a language that is dying. Or, or greatly is like an endangered language. And so we don't know the history because we don't understand what they yeah. were saying. We don't mm-hmm. understand what was being communicated. And and that's, yeah, that's a real valuable part of the bias to, to inspect and to understand. And, you know, I alluded to this in the podcast, but it's, and I think it's a hard judgment to say that Tecumseh would have been the greatest orator in American history. Like that's probably a stretch. We've had some real winners. Because we don't have any yeah. recording of it. Right. It's hard, it's hard yeah, to know. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what I think historians are trying to do is throw the guy a bone and say the way that he organized people, like the evidence yeah. of strong oration was there so yeah. strongly that we can assume in the way people talked about it. Right. But the Shawnee language carried him. And now he mm-hmm. would have been speaking some of his stuff in English, but most of his stuff, for him to inspire his people, it would have been, he would have been speaking Shawnee, most likely. Right. And and in other tribes, he probably would have spoken some of their language. But, you know, just kind of like this language carried this incredible orator. So, you know, like what was inside of it, mm-hmm. you know, but interesting. Jessica, second second thing. Okay. Um, I, I liked... When you guys were talking about um, change, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. Um, in my profession, I'm an architect. I interact with tons of people at different scales of development, you know, city planners and things like that. And change is a big topic, especially in a region like where we live, where like we are on a trajectory of growth and it's not going to stop. And um Yeah. So one thing that's talked about a lot in design and city planning and architecture is like things are going to change. They're going to grow or they're going to go downhill. And so the the point is we've got to grow in the right way. So I was just thinking about like there are ways to keep what's good and still adjust. Mm -hmm. And because change is going to happen. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would say change is good. But yeah. also, yeah. like we've got to be anchored by things yeah, exactly. that don't change, and it's 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 really. As I was listening to this, I was listening to uh, was it Dave Edmonds that you were talking to, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as y'all were talking about it, I was thinking, like, you know, going back to my grandparents, there are things that they believed and that they thought that were not good, not yeah. good for them, not good for others. They were restrictions, mindsets that restricted them as individuals and restricted their scope of of experience and, and that we could, I mean, I going back even further, think about the change that having like heat has brought us and the change mm-hmm. that good solid medicine has improved, Water. you know? Yeah. yeah. And there's some things that I'm not going to go without no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm a big fan of and I don't want to go without. And I think that we can romanticize the old ways or yeah. the traditional ways personally. Like I think I, I am very much so in the camp of people that could easily do that. And, and, and so it, it was an interesting take as I was listening to the two of you talk on the podcast, that was a big thought going through my mind is like, well, change is good, but also there's some things that shouldn't change. And yeah. there's some things that, 
that you don't you don't want to change and and there is just this constant tension and I think like in our home we would say migration is a value something that we value yeah. like the ability to migrate to higher perspectives and and things like that and that that's actually like a declared value of system of our home at the same time we're very much so deeply anchored to ancient principles and ancient value systems that we tell our kids this isn't going to change. Yeah. This is this is mm-hmm. what you and so I just I just think it's an interesting tension there. Like it's yeah. not something and you can see why wars are fought over it. <laughs> let, let me mm-hmm. let me do a little cleanup All on right. that section mm-hmm. because that section was one that potentially somebody could have a hard time with because what Dave Edmund was doing was he was trying to help he was trying to help us in modern times here in America understand at the at a very small level, what was happening to Tecumseh. He was not, because he talked about coal miners losing their, losing their, their, their way of life and rural America losing their way of life. And the, the problem with that argument is you could say, wait a minute, you're saying coal miners not being able to dig coal anymore is like, you know, the genocide of a people. Yeah. You see, that's not what we're saying. And that's not what he was saying. He was trying. He he did a good job. I thought. I thought so too. Of, yeah. of bringing it down to something that we could sort of identify with. Mm-hmm. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't saying this is just like that. And um, you know, somebody that was just looking for a reason to be mad at us for this podcast could might could say that. Well, so I, I just I just want to clean that up because what what it did so powerfully for me mm-hmm. hearing that is to yeah. be like, yeah, Tecumseh wasn't like he was fighting for a way of life. Like he loved his people, his land, just like we would love our people in our mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a man and it hurts when that stuff is taken away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it, so I just wanted to say yeah, that. Yeah. I think that brings me back to what Christy was saying earlier. Um, like it, it doesn't have to be what we have is that one, one, one side, one over the other side, but there's probably a beautiful connection there somewhere that was missed that both groups of people could have survived and had healthy balance of holding on to what the old and growing with the new at Mm -hmm. the same time. It's hard to picture, right? Because we've grown up in this world that's defined by that. Um, especially in North America and yeah, but, but I, yeah, I think it does survive though. Like some of those, those native American tendencies, I see it in my farming, you know, I'm working with nature. You, mm-hmm. you, you know, I see it in hunting and conservation, mm-hmm. like, you, you know, like, because that Western way was, you know, we kill all the passenger pigeons or carry, whatever, you know, yeah. like we ex- extinction, extinction, but yet you see like this model of hunting that's arisen and, and I'm not a hunter, but I love them, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you see this model that's arisen of preservation and I could kill more, but that would hurt. Right. You, you know, right. like, yeah. so, and I, and I see that in my farming, I think there's other, you see like some of the rural community stuff of neighborness and taking care of your neighbors, even though it may not benefit you directly at that moment. Like, I, I feel like some of that may, I don't know. I feel like it, it is in there, you know, it's probably subtle, yeah. especially like Ozark culture, because I mean, like, that's where it butted up. We're in o- right next to Oklahoma, you know? Yeah. That, for real, this part of the world, there was a lot of overlap of Native American mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. poor white yeah. Yeah. white farmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, lot of overlap. But and, and that goes back to what I talked about in the first one. I think what makes us American, mm-hmm. what, because 
if it had been all these Europeans that came over here, it just it, it would have like why are we so different than them today? I think a lot of it had to do with Native Americans. Uh, so yeah. that culture, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. It, it, it's hard to put your finger on it, but um, Spence impact favorite yeah. part of it. Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple like just the the language. Uh, like mm-hmm. I, there was a point in my life where I was almost bilingual, you, you know, like, and, uh, like this caused me to go back and look at that and, and just realize, you know, like, like it was Latin. Like mm. if I wanted to eat, I had to speak in Latin, Okay, <laughs> you, you know, like it, it was pretty hardcore and, and just even going back and like, I still read my Bible in Latin and it feels different. Like mm. things are transmitted different. And, and so it's, I don't know. It, it was sad to hear about the languages. Like when you were in Northwest Arkansas, you can drive to Tahlequah, and I think that's a Cherokee homeland, mm. right? And you see all the the like just letters I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's really cool as there as there, mm-hmm. and it, but it's that struggle, you know, to to preserve that heritage. And and you just think of like when you hear about all the languages being lost, it's like, man, those are like facets of humanity that are growing dim. You know, like we lose something mm-hmm. every time one of those goes out. And I don't know, that that, that it's part It's such a functional me. problem, though, because, you know, it's like when you hear about the Shawnees, you're like, well, I could learn Shawnee. <laughs> and then it's like, you probably not, really. I mean, yeah, th- right. would it be it's possible? Almost, it's almost like that language is a way of thinking. Yeah. Yes. You know, you have it to is, yeah. change the way you think to be able to communicate in, mm-hmm. in the Shawnee mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. I think too, like one thing that I was able to identify with is I've got property on both sides of a river and I love rivers. Like I did grad school work. I really value Ozark rivers. They're incredibly unique. They're, they're, they're just so underestimated and just how spectacular they are. There's more species of fish in Arkansas than most countries. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it's take that world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the entire Western. Put that in your fish pot. Yeah, the entire <laughs> Western U.S. You know, it, like an order of magnitude, and like I've in one of my properties, like we have. There's a, a neighbor who just kind of like just goes and just digs up in the river, and and we have a really good section on our part, and it affects it, and like. I feel helpless sometimes because I value what they're the, doing. What they're actually, doing up, and he, is upstream. it upstream? upstream yeah. yeah, and 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 honestly, in the Ozark streams, what happens downriver affects right. it too. Yep. And I, but he has a right to do it, and I can't stop it. And you know, I'm not even going to talk to him because I don't think it would be there. And, and and it, you know, my, it's just there's a little bit of helplessness that you feel there seeing something that you value mm-hmm. being destroyed callously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you know, just so someone can play around or or do the things they want. And, and so I, I wonder like, what must that have been like, you, you know, for mm-hmm. the native Americans, like even like it, it wasn't during Tecumseh's time, but like when the extermination of the Buffalo, like, like that, mm-hmm. yeah, bison mm-hmm. herds across, you know, like in just being powerless, and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just kind of like, it's just Brought something that spoke to me. Bit. Yeah. 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 What wasn't Good. there a quote in the first podcast about like an insatiable hunger for more like oh, mm-hmm. yeah. whether it was land or yeah. I, I just think yeah. about what is that you know I talk to people sometimes today and I think man you have a you have a fantastic life you have good kids and you know they work really hard and you yeah. ask them and they're like wow I'm just trying to get my kids better and I think what's wrong with your life 
<laughs> like yeah. what? Yeah. Better what? You yeah. know, and I think I think Tecumseh's like maybe I'm over romanticizing this, but like he's trying to preserve a way of life, also a mentality that says we don't have to go grab up. Like, what does that in the long term look like if you if yeah. if his kids and his kids' kids and their kids are always trying to feel this need to grab, 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 mm-hmm. and that is like that is sad to me. Yeah, you know, like yeah. when's enough enough? Yeah. You know, that really is a dramatic difference. We didn't talk about it in this one. Robert Morgan covers it, and I read it in his book on Boone, but he talked about how the there's accounts of different tribes believing that the white men were insane mm-hmm. for trying to find gold. Like, just like, huh. why? what are you after? Like, tell me again <laughs> what you're looking for. Like, why you came across the ocean? And, and, and this idea of wealth, like store storing up wealth accumulation of wealth was just like what that's mm-hmm. bizarre man you know we we've got what we need right here you know um and and that can be over romanticized sure. too and and there was there was a scale of influence of the cultures too like later in in the time period there was probably some of the tribes that were very influenced by money yeah i mean and Dave Edmonds talked about it. They, yeah. the, they were getting money from the government. Mm-hmm. They were getting supplies. They were they were they settling down and, yeah. and farming. Yeah. yeah, there were there were more people, and this is what um, you got to say and understand. And again, it's so complex. We're talking about Tecumseh because he was an actually an outlier. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the tribes were wanted to assimilate. They were getting money from the government. They had a good land deal. They, you know, a lot of the tribes wanted to assimilate. Like uh, an oversimplification of it would be all the Native Americans were wanting, you know, were fighting against America. That's no, not, there were there mm-hmm. were actually a lot of tribes sides, fighting yeah, with, with America, America yeah. against the yeah. French and other Indians. So it's like so, and that's why in a two-hour podcast, you just yeah. can't yeah. cover the whole thing. I right. told, I told, uh, I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm for sure going to get it wrong in some places, but what I want people that listen to this podcast to to take home is that when they think about this place that we live and think about the Native Americans, is that it's, it is wildly more complex than you could ever yeah. imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Just you know, when you think about yep. the language and you think about some of these tribes getting money from the government, and then you have this guy like Tecumseh that is standing against the trend and in some ways probably knew you know i wonder if he really thought he could win i yeah. often wonder about that like if he knew he was going to be a martyr those guys yeah. those guys hmm. had something inside of them and that this was very real that to die was like noble like his brother chisequa that yeah. said i'd rather die have the fowls yeah. of right. the air pick my, pick my bones than die in camp yeah. yeah and uh that's something that was deep inside of them. And so I wonder if Tecumseh, I wonder if he really thought he could win. I, I think he probably did. I think he probably did. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage 
and an easy-to-use app. You can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The people at Sport Dog know that having a well-trained hunting dog is more than just having a reliable partner. It's a commitment to their safety and unlocking their full potential. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Trust Sport Dog, where innovation meets passion, to elevate your hunting experience and strengthen the bond with your local companion. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me to track my squirrel dogs and my one old coon dog that's not very good. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. Josh, favorite part. So I was also very, very impacted by the discussion on language I with, knew it. with Chief Ben Barnes. It, Josh. But I do want to say the other thing that that is, you know, adjacent to Tecumseh, Tecumseh's history is I I was real fascinated by how they talked about the the aspect of community mm-hmm. and how you know as a Shawnee he would have had many fathers and many yeah. mothers oh, yeah, and I many brothers that. and I thought what a what an amazing beautiful thing that 
that uh, um, really, uh, you know, I don't think that Tecumseh could have been who he was without that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And recognizing the fact of the the fingerprint of so many people and so many interactions and and relationships that produced who he was and gave him the the ability to see a united native american front mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so i i just you know in short i i think that was that really impacted me and you know it makes me think about about our lives christy and i with our kids and how we have we have really you know raised our family together closely with friends you know with you guys and and our kids and with other mm-hmm. people that we know and and care for dearly and uh, have shared life and shared community together and it's yeah. produced these young people who are competent and um, responsible and mm-hmm. and have really themselves gone against the trend of the age I just that that really impacted me seeing that seeing that thing inside of him mm-hmm. love that and also the identity right like yeah. he tells Absolutely. that story about Boone and just like I think we're a society that doesn't have that like you're a man now like a lot of cultures have like you're a man now because you go through this like and like how Boone went through the purification I think you yeah. said and and now you belong to the tribe and there's no yeah. question yeah yeah you, you know and there's very few I think insta- uh, institutions like I think maybe baptism would be one like in Christianity um but where you actually where you have that ide- that clear demarcation of identity mm. and and that was powerful to me yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Misty, have you gone yet? <laughs> Not really. I've just commented on others. I think, you mm-hmm. know, I just, I think the whole, I, I love hearing what everybody else has said. I could comment really on what Spence and Josh said, but I, I, I know we're kind of running low on time. I think to me, as I look at this, as I look at the whole podcast and it kind of goes back to what you said a few minutes ago, it does and I hope at least it does this for people. It makes you see things to the best of your ability to extract this information and to extract an accurate history from Tecumseh's perspective. And I, I think, you know, there's kind of a couple of different schools of thought or camps. I grew up hearing one exclusive camp, which was, you know, that drive that, you know, Americans have, that was very much idealized in the world and in the places oh, I yeah. grew up. The you pioneer. Know? Yeah, kinda, the pioneer. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, I think there's some really good stuff yep. in that. Yeah. Like there's mm-hmm. some stuff in that that has been really meaningful, even inside my life as an adult, just mm-hmm. to um, metaphorically. So, I, I mean, there's some good stuff in that. It's also I when I hear these stories and and I do feel some of the the influence of, of those things still on our culture and you realize, man, that's also some really good stuff. And I want to understand that guy's perspective as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, Tecumseh is a hero and, and it doesn't mean Tecumseh is perfect and it doesn't right. mean the right. Native Americans yeah. were right. perfect or um, like, I think that you can have these conversations without, uh, and I, and I, I think you did a good job on that. Like, I actually yeah, think yeah. that you did present that. Shucks. Yeah. I, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I think you did a good job on that. Like as I'm, as I was listening to it, I thought, yeah, this helps people see because it is a different mindset. Like it is, we don't speak that language. We don't. We don't have those words, those those symbols, those rites of passages, like you just described. And so we need people to help interpret that for us. Mm-hmm. But I thought what Dave Edmonds did with comparing it, not 
and like you said, it's not not the atrocities that were committed, but just a people fighting for their way of life. I thought as I listened to that section, I thought, yep, I can see exactly what he wanted. I'm I'm sympathetic to it, and I see how he is just as much a hero for fighting for his way as, as anyone I know. And and so I thought I thought it was you, you did a great job for that. And I don't know like when you're thinking about solutions. Okay, well, how do you resolve all this? How mm-hmm. do you? And that's where I think it gets really complicated. Yeah. And uh, but I think I think as far as the value of understanding someone's perspective and understanding you know what he was trying to do, I got all sorts of respect for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. all sorts yeah. of respect for yeah. him. Yeah. You know, it's real interesting for me inside these series with these guys. I you know these actors that do this. Uh, what's the type of acting when they like? Pantomime. When they when they like become <laughs> the person. Oh, method acting. Method, method acting. acting. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I I do not do that in a podcast. <laughs> no, sir. I do really feel like connected to these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I really do, and and it it all I, like I'm all like when we ended the Boone series, like I really was sad. Like I don't know if you could hear it in my mm-hmm. voice at the end of the Boone yeah. series, but like I was almost in tears for real in this office by myself. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same way with Tecumseh. Like I, I, I'm already like wishing that it was longer because right now in this six week period, like I just, I just am thinking about him a lot. Like the other day, I was driving in my truck, and again, the biggest challenge with 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 time and history. Is that you hear about somebody from that died in 1813, and they they aren't real to you. And Tecumseh was a human. He yeah. was not a he was not a comic book character. He he had major flaws. He had some major good stuff. And I just envisioned like literally Tecumseh riding in my truck with me, <laughs> you know, just like and being able to communicate with him. And just like it just like the little sliver of thought, just like this is a real person. Uh-huh. And uh it was uh yeah, I, I say all that to say I, I really feel like I kind of dive into these guys and uh wish it was longer. Yeah, that's what makes you a great storyteller, Clay. Well <laughs> Man, Jessica. two compliments. Man. Two Doug compliments. Hunt. The love flying around in this room yeah. right now. Oh, and, and if you could get Tecumseh an interview for the podcast, that would be great. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's a killer. Hey, I'm not going to try to foreshadow any, but we will be having an induction. I'm not going to say who, but we will be having some inductions into the Bear Grease Hall of Fame oh. very soon. It's probably me and Christy, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> the, the, the rooster call wasn't that good. That's, 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 there will decline. be there will be two new oh, members wow. to the Bear Grease Hall of Fame, which we don't throw that around lightly. No, no, no we that don't. is serious. Uh, after this series, can so, we uh, also? I just think adopt from this podcast series the whole what is it? Aero flights, like distance wise. If Josh is like, "Hey, Christy, where are you?" and I'm like, four aero flights from the house." Yes, I feel like that should yeah. become a part of. I yes. am so bad with time space. <laughs> Estimating the number of people who were at things, the yeah. size that, I mean, that would be very hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just make it up. Well, but if you went out and shot a couple arrows, an arrow flight's pretty low. I, I would say it's about 200 yards. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 200 yards would be about uh, 600 feet. Um, 200 yards would be 
How many? Less than a quarter of a mile. How many air flights? About eight to, to nine hundred yards and a half mile. So a quarter mile would be like 450 yards. What are we, so eight like arrow flights to Spence's house? <laughs> uh, not that far. Probably hmm. like three. Three arrow flights. I think, I think it, it depends was, I think on it was who a quarter the mile south of, okay. of, of the town. I just thought that was kind of epic. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was too. I thought it was too. Well, thank you all so much for coming. Jessica, what an honor to have you here. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, Thanks. Christy, what an honor to have you here. I was happy Terrell to be here. Spencer, what an honor to Back have you here. Back to the practice squad. And here yeah. we are, <laughs> chop lever chop over here. Chop lever over here. Over there. You guys oh, are the best. Foggy and, <laughs> foggy and Foggy and Josh. Oh, damn and Josh. <laughs> he didn't even mention the part where you talked about the land bridge. Yeah, you oh, did talk about the Bering Land Bridge. Oh, it probably gosh, hurt him that Josh wasn't interviewed on that. Josh yeah, has always wanted to be another opportunity wasted to have me on the podcast. Uh, one day, Josh, one day, one day. All right, guys, thank you so much. And there'll be one final Tecumseh episode titled Tecumseh's Death. Ooh. Oh, man. Way mm. to bring it Are you down. Gonna make us cry? I don't know. He might make himself cry. If he does a good job. <laughs> Alone does, in his office. Is there a flaming arrow somewhere yeah. in I that? I hope so. Yeah, that would be there awesome. There should be. There should be. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease.